Well, US retail bounced back in January. Might be something to do with having $600 land in your bank account. And with it, we've seen a rise in producer prices. So inflation is on track and inflation is still being talked about. We'll have a quick look at the FRMC minutes. They're only just out. And Mario Draghi's speech laying out his plans for Italy. And Australian employment numbers today as well. How many more jobs have been clawed back? It's Thursday, the 18th of February, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well... A reversal in Treasury yields, 10 years down, four basis points, back down to 1.27%, a similar drop in 30 years as well. Those falls echoed across Europe, 10-year gilts down, five basis points. Italy is the exception for obvious reasons, and we'll talk about Mario Draghi today. Shares are down generally, a 1% fall in the Nasdaq, the S&P 500 down 0.4%. Little is happening with the Dow, we've got a 0.6% fall in the FTSE, uh, 0.7% down for the Eurostoxx 50. Uh, a half percent gain on the US dollar, on the DXY. It's down against the Japanese yen again, though, but by a quarter percent, but up 0.6% on the Swiss franc. The euro has lost half a percent. The pound is down 0.4%. The Aussie is down 0.1% or so, uh, just uh, below 77.5 US cents. And oil rises higher. Brent up 0.9%. WTI now firmly over $60 with a half percent rise this morning. And Gavin Friend is NAB's senior market strategist in London. Uh, It looks like we've lost some of that reflation mojo. Not a great deal, really, but... uh, Certainly as far as bond yields are concerned, but I guess it's just a day, isn't it? Uh, and of course, they are a lot higher than they were a week ago. Yeah, good morning, Phil. I think we've got a very, you know, very directional uh, move going on in bond markets. You know, uh, a sell-off there, which means yields higher. Um, the drivers, we know, uh, a myriad, uh, US fiscal stimulus, uh, the vaccine rollout that's going well, varying degrees. You know, where markets think the UK is going to come out first, followed by the US and then Europe. The point uh, is that this will all unleash a sort of a mini boom in Q2. Markets are typically, you know, uh, sort of for discounting mechanisms, they anticipate this. Um, and, um, you know, we're going to get this uh, surge in activity, which is powering the reflation trade, as you say. It is early days. Um, but we did get a taste of it, didn't really, we, with those ref- with those retail numbers? I mean, you know, just think back to when uh, those Kevin Ruddy years in Australia when, you know, nothing like a stimulus check to get people spending. January's retail sales, 7.4% up on January last year, almost 6% up month on month uh, if you take cars out of it, mm. just as people receive those $600 payments into their, their bank account. So it might be a blip because of that if we don't see more stimulus. But, of course, we will. So it shows it works. Uh, indeed, it shows that the Donald Trump uh, 900 billion, uh, a chunk of that, a good chunk of that, went straight into uh, into retail sales. And of course, we know that Joe Biden wants to come in with 1.9 trillion. You know, the market is saying, well, he'll probably end up with something between one and one and a half. Um, and for some people, that's probably still too much. You know, and it's it's, it's obviously going to boost uh, activity even more. So, and that's you know, along with the sort of uh, issues we're seeing in producer prices, pipeline pressures, supply disruptions, um, the as we're going to see in the next few months, um, the effects of the uh, the base effect uh, from 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 last year and high oil prices, high commodity prices, all these things are going to feed through and confuse that inflation picture, and that's why you've got such bifurcation at an early stage. We we ought to be saying this is good, this is really good. We should be embracing finally this. Um, you know, pick up in the economies as they as they start to come out of lockdown. The ac- economic activity that that's going to spur should be really good, and that should be something in these early days 
that powers corporate profits and therefore the stock market. So there shouldn't really be an issue. But when you get the kind of moves in yields that we're having, so in US 10s, didn't only break up through 120 yesterday, up through 130 as well, come back off that, as you say in the introduction, to just below those levels. But they're quite big moves. I think the point, though, is it's about real yields. You know, this is, this is, this is, when you've got this kind of um, narrative going on, of course we would expect the markets to react and drive yields further. They're being driven further by higher inflation expectations. At the same time, real yields, which have been down at, you know, the US 10-year, as an example, down at minus 1%, have been incredibly flat, incredibly stable. What's interesting in the last day or so is they've gone from minus 105 to minus 95. So they've moved up 10 basis points. And that's really, uh, the, Fed, the Fed will be very happy with higher break-evens, higher inflation expectations, higher nominal yields to a point. It doesn't want to see higher uh, real yields, and um, that's where the, you know, that's what we've got to keep an eye on, and uh, to make sure these things don't get out of hand. I would say that that's, that that stability in real yields tells you that markets at this point still have a lot of confidence and all faith in that Fed policy that it will deliver inflation as it's supposed to be, and inflation won't get out of hand. So that debate, this right. day, we're going to be debating this for months. And on some yeah, occasions... Until we know. Until well, <laughs> we see the evidence. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Well, because we've seen producer prices, for example, up uh, overnight, well, up 1.3% for January from 0.3% in December. Uh, that's just going to add to that inflation. Now, it's not a great deal, 1.3%, but it's it's going to add to that debate, isn't it? And, and this is producer prices. Presumably a, a chunk of that's going to get absorbed. Of course. And the, and, and the Fed and other central banks are saying, we know this. We know base effects are coming. We know all this. We don't know to what degree, but we are going to go, we are going to look through it, and that's what we expect. And so, and so, the message actually from from the Fed has been the other way round. Let's not think about tapering; it's too early for that. Let's think about how do we get 10 million Americans back to work. If we had prior to the pandemic uh, an unemployment rate in the US of three and a half percent, and yet we couldn't get inflation up to target, ergo we have more spare capacity, we're going to squeeze that further and further. And that means we're going to wait, we're going to run it hot. Now, we've just had, of course, the FOMC minutes out this morning. So is there anything that, that you've picked up out of those in the in the short time you've had to look at them? Um, so these are the minutes of the 27th of January meeting. Certainly, they talk about um, the uncertainty on the economy was elevated, um, uh, the, an acknowledgement that the resurgence in the virus, that was obviously referring to December and January, was weighing on economic activity, but that fiscal stimulus and vaccines would give the economy a sizable boost. However, FOMC participants judged it would likely take some time for substantial further progress on its mandate uh, to be achieved. Um, None of that is new. Uh, There was a line that plays to our discussions on transient inflationary pressures coming down the pipe from base effects and supply disruptions here. Participants emphasised it was important to abstract from temporary factors affecting inflation, such as low-pass levels of prices dropping out of the measures of annual changes or relative increases in some of the sectors brought about by supply uh, disruptions in judging whether inflation was on track to moderately exceed 2% for some time. So, again, making that point that they, they foresee um, some you know upward pressure on inflation, but they think it's going to be transient. This is going to be a debate, as we talked about earlier, for markets to, you know over the coming months, and it's going to be 
very divisive. Yeah, well, we don't need to worry about it in the UK too much because we've just had their inflation, their CPI numbers, 0.7% year on year. But house prices shooting up, six-year high in house prices. I guess people are going for bigger houses in the lockdown, aren't they? And the evidence of that is people are buying sofas, apparently. A big, big increase in the uh, price of sofas, so lots of cocooning going on. Nothing there, though, to change the, the Bank of England policy, which is pretty much what the, uh, the deputy governor of the Bank of England, David Ramsden, he's been talking in the last few hours. Uh, basically, steady she goes with no, the bond I, buying. No, that's no right. Change. And, I mean, should we, be just, should we be surprised that people are buying these kinds of things, uh, nesting, as you called it, working from home? No, we shouldn't. Mm, and nope. inflation in the UK, uh, you know, as you say, it's incredibly well behaved at the moment. It is going to climb, like it is around the developed world. Uh, over the next few months, and it is likely to go above target for a brief period. Again, the Bank of England will be looking through that. I would just say there is, you know, look, looking looking to the other side of this, comments from uh, Bank of England uh, Chief Economist Andy Haldane this week, where he thinks that the economic profession has been far too gloomy on the UK, and he thinks that actually there's going to be this pent-up demand-led drive in spending in Q2, where we could get something like 5% growth in the UK, 7% next year, He's talking about the fact that the savings rate, because we've been in lockdown, we haven't been able to spend the savings rate like it will be in Europe, like it is in the US, has gone up quite a lot. In the UK, we're talking about £125 billion worth of additional savings that could rise to £250 billion by mid-year, a chunk of which will get spent. Yeah. You'd assume so, wouldn't you? Uh, Mario Draghi has laid out the reforms that he has in the pipeline for Italy. It was mostly platitudes, wasn't it? Uh, talking about more unity for the for the country within the country and with Europe. I guess the the, the meat in the sandwich was he detailed how they they'd spend that two hundred nineteen billion euros from the EU recovery program. I mean, he was also talking about tax reform and administrative reform for Italy. Good luck with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, this is a, this is a, a really difficult job. You know, Italy has not really grown uh, for the best part of two decades. We know this has been a you know the it, it, Europe's weak link, the underperformer. Um, Italy suffers from all sorts of problems in terms of uh, bureaucracy, red tape. Um, It needs to reform judicial and um, competition markets. There's a a whole shopping list of stuff to do. It's not going to be easy. I think markets, you know, are of the view, if anybody can do it, he can do it. There is a question mark over, you know, he's got two years to do this. Um, can, can he make any meaningful change inside that time? Can it get extended? You know, um, does he take on the president's role? I mean, all these things, you know, uh, further down the road. Um, markets are, I would say, optimistic at the moment that he can do well, it. Just, just look at that narrowing spread uh, with uh, with ten year bonds. I mean, that's a a, a sheer a clear sign of the uh, of the drag effect, isn't it? It, it is. It is, and that's that's likely to continue. And as it does, that kind of re-denomination risk. Uh, continues to ebb away, and that should be supportive to the euro. But you know, back to Draghi. I mean, he, he really has got a job. It, he, he talked a lot today about you know he's, he's a passionate pro-European. He wants a common budget, but to do this, countries like Italy and arguably Spain and others have got to demonstrate to a sceptical northern country set, you know, led by the Netherlands and Denmark and others, that this can really work. They, those countries really don't think that this is possible. They've got to lead by example and show that they can 
play their role and, you know, it, it isn't going to be... Fiscal discipline. Indeed. Yeah. And that's going to take yeah. a bit of time. All right. Now, look, today, I have to move through very quickly on this because we are running out of time, but we get the Australian employment numbers today. 50,000 more people working in December, but we're still, you know, what, 115,000 or more down since we saw that big fall in April and May. But uh, we will have picked up some more in January. We'll find out just how many today. Yes. I mean, the consensus is 30,000 jobs. Uh, we're going for a larger than consensus, 50,000. The unemployment rate is expected to drop another 10 to 6.5. We're looking to 6.4. And the participation rate, um, obviously, that's a, you know, a sign of economic strength. It's, it's at new all-time high, 66.2. Again, that could nudge up a little bit further. We think there's a number of factors that will lead to you know, the jobs added, the high jobs added. Risks to an upside surprise there. Um, the main one being really that the Prime Minister has noted that the job seeker numbers fell by 100,000 in January. Um, what's not fully known is whether those on the job seeker benefit will be recorded in the January or the February survey. Uh, it's also possible that some of these people would have already been you know, classified as employed, given the ability to earn up to a certain amount while still retaining the job seeker benefit. Um, th- there's the other idea that also. Um, some firms that would typically lay off uh, staff during the Australian um, summer season kept them on because of the job seeker uh, 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 scheme that was there. Sample rotations are another factor. So we're looking for a, a kind of an upside surprise, mm. but more strength is the, is, is the theme there. Yeah, that's what we like to hear, isn't it? And uh, look, maybe we'll see the same in the U- US. We get their weekly jobless claims tonight, plus housing starts and building permits and Europe's consumer confidence as well. Uh, all of those still to come, uh, but we'll leave it for now with that. Good to talk, Gavin. Catch you soon. Thank you. And that's it. That is the morning call for this Thursday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again to round off the week tomorrow morning. See you then.